Slayers and Slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date. So we're here, on time, day of, to talk about empty places. So, this is the one where... Still reeling from the carnage at the winery, the group is shocked when Buffy announces they have to go back in. So in Nikki Stafford's episode guide of this episode, she spends like an entire page just whining about how everyone has betrayed Buffy and how awful they are for betraying Buffy. Um, so I used, I think that was my reaction the first time I saw this episode was that it was shocking to me that everyone was ganging up on her like this and pushing her out and shit like that. But I kind of get it this time around. Like she's been a real dick to everyone. She needed this moment because we'll find out, you know, basically this entire time, you know, the the episode synopsis could have been, Buffy hasn't slept in weeks. She really needs a nap. <laughs> Everyone has to just fucking kick her out of the house um, in order for her to go somewhere and sleep. Because she's going to, you know, after finally not having the burden, quote unquote, of all of these people's lives being in her hands, she goes and she like breaks into someone's house and she, and Spike goes to find her and... Um, they cuddle and she has like a good night's sleep and then she comes back and everything's fine, you know? Um, so that is what, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously she's been isolating herself more often than usual, um, in this season because she's just so fucking stressed and overburdened. It's a real 10 of wands moment, you know, she's just really overwhelmed and she has to take care of all these people that are feeling helpless so they're constantly whining at her and she's keeping them at a distance because she's responsible for their lives and she knows that some of them are gonna die and it's a lot it's a lot but um she is also pushing away the people in her life that have been there for her for the last seven years She's isolating herself from everyone, including her best friends and Giles. And so something needed to happen. Like, I think this makes sense. We haven't had this. Like, there was never been a storyline throughout the entire series of Buffy. There's never been a storyline of, like, Buffy really fucks up real bad. And everybody's just kind of over her right now. You know, it makes sense that that would happen at some point because she, you know, it's not entirely her fault that she's become such a self-righteous, you know, superior, superiority complex, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's not entirely her fault that she became this way, but it is under, and it's understandable that she became this way, but it also fucking sucks And she needs people around her that will push back on that when she's being a real dick. So I, I, I don't love this episode though. At the same time, like 
it wasn't that enjoyable. Like certain aspects of it were really distracting to me. It felt like, it felt like the tone felt like the same as the last episode. I wonder if it's the same, like, um, writer director. Okay. So it's, this episode is written by Drew Greenberg and directed by James Contner. Last episode written by Drew Goddard, different Drew, different Drew, (laughs) and directed by Michael Gershman. No, but I think we had one with these two people recently. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, um, it just was not, I, I get, I get the general vibe of everything that needed to happen in this episode, but it felt rushed. Like a lot of the acting performances felt really flat Everybody was just sort of saying their lines, but like the emotions really weren't coming through that much. Um, Buffy's wearing the same outfit throughout the whole episode, but at certain times it's like she has this like sheer white shirt with a black shirt. And at points in the episode, the black shirt is over the white shirt, but at other times the black shirt is under the white shirt. So it's just like, it really felt to me like this was an episode that was cobbled together and had to be filmed like not all it's almost like this episode may not have been filmed at all at one time like it might have been that you know and I think at this point like Anthony Stewart Head only flew in for short periods of time to film his scenes for this season in its entirety so because he wasn't like a permanent cast member at this point, every, you know, the credits always say special guest star, Anthony Stewart head in the episodes that he's in. So everything just felt like from a filming standpoint, it felt disjointed. Um, yeah, it felt like maybe it was rushed. Like they couldn't do enough takes. I don't know. It just all felt wrong. And everybody's outfits are like, I get that it's 2003. So I pretty much hate the fashion in 2003. I've been very vocal about that. But it's just like, they're not even trying. Like, okay, so this is one thing that's just very distracting to me. There's a scene where like Kennedy and Faith are talking and they're both wearing this really weird necklace. And I think it's exactly the same, except they glued, they like real quick like glued some jewels onto Kennedy's version of the necklace. So it wouldn't look like it was the exact same necklace, but I'm pretty sure it was. And it was just distracting to me, not only because it seemed like it was the same necklace that was on both of them, but also because it is the type of necklace that neither of those characters would wear. Like Kennedy and Faith have somewhat similar styles. Like Faith's version is the low budget version of like, they both have like this tough girl, like sort of masculine style of dress vibe to them. But Faith's is the budget version (laughs) and Kennedy's is the rich girl version. Neither one of them would wear this necklace. You know, like Kennedy usually wears her Pisces necklace. Where's her Pisces necklace? Why did they change it? It 
doesn't make sense. Her character's necklace is the Pisces necklace. And then Faith wearing, like, it was like this silver square. It just reminded me of, like, some kind of rich lady pendant. It made no sense to me. It was very off-putting. That kind of stuff is just, like, personal character accessory choices are important to me. And that didn't make sense for either of them. And it was just like stuff like that. Like everybody was in like the sloppiest clothes, like as if they just dressed themselves for the episode, you know, like, and it was so weird, the stuff that they were wearing at times. I don't know. It just, I don't get it. Anyway, let me just get to my notes. I haven't even said anything from my notes yet. Uh, first scene is like everyone's driving out of town. Buffy is just kind of wandering around like, and this is a continuation. The end of the last episode, Buffy was just sort of walking around, feeling really sad, blah, blah, blah. So you get the impression since this is the first scene of the next, the very next episode, she's just been walking around, walking around town, feeling sorry for herself all night long. I literally don't think Buffy has slept in weeks or at the least days. She has not slept. She spent the whole night walking around town feeling bad after Xander's eye got poked out. And before that, there was, you know, little plop, little moments here and there, a little, you know, to indicate that she hasn't slept in a while. Anyway, I just think she hasn't slept in a really long time. I think that's the main problem that she's having right now. Being so overwhelmed and just not sleeping. And yeah, I mean, I'd say like people should be a little bit more nurturing to her right now. And I do think that is the case. However, she does not accept that when people try to take care of her, try to look out for her try to ask her what she needs, she doesn't respond to that well. So I don't blame anyone in her life for not doing that for her right now. Just saying. Um, so if she ends up having a little conversation with Clem, who's also on his way out of town. And it's just like this awkward little conversation where Clem's like, you know, if you save the world, I'll come back. We'll have drinks. And then he's like, when? When you save the world? I have the utmost confidence in you, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, she's just sort of, Buffy's in shutdown mode right now. And I like that this is a consistent part of her character. Um, it makes sense. It, everything playing out at this point makes sense. It makes sense that she would be in shutdown mode right now. It makes sense that because her house is full of a whole bunch of people and she's very, very overwhelmed, she doesn't even want to be home right now. Um, so she hasn't slept, so it's exacerbating her normal issues. Like she would be in shutdown mode right now, no matter what. But the fact that circumstances are different right now because of all these people that are depending on her, like exponentially more people depending on her than ever before, it makes sense. It all makes sense. It just does. I'm just saying. <laughs> Um, we get a scene with Buffy at the hot, Buffy and Willow at the hospital visiting Xander and Buffy is kind of going over like all of Xander's care with him. I don't know why a doctor isn't telling him this because they'd have to cast somebody 
to play the doctor and their, their budget is probably totally maxed out with all the all the potentials that they have <laughs> but anyway um so she's telling him like all all kinds of stuff about like the medication and like he's gonna have swelling for a while and he's gonna have to be careful with this diet because of the medication and like whatever whatever and my question is did Buffy even say she's sorry to Xander like at this moment I feel like what is needed from her like she was supposed to hang out like that was kind of supposed to be a thing I guess like her and Willow were gonna hang out with Xander and like play card games with him and cheer him up and you know stuff like that so it's it's definitely a blow to Xander that she doesn't hang out with him but I think even if she couldn't do that right now and I get it if she like at this point she's so shut down and I feel like I've been there as I mean I've never like been a slayer or whatever but you know um I feel like I've been there I've been in a shutdown mode that's so intense that you know that if you open up any door to your emotions you will just completely melt down like she is distancing herself as a coping mechanism because it's the only way she's getting through day to day right now so again it makes sense it makes sense so but what he really needed from her at the very least was for her to hug him and tell him that she loved him and that she's so sorry like not that it's like completely her fault that his eye got poked out but he needs to hear that and she needs to say it it needs to happen that's all I'm saying it needs to happen and she doesn't do it and it's heartbreaking of course um then we go to the next scene is um oh well I'm kind of like getting ahead of myself after Buffy leaves the hospital we get like a little touching scene between Willow and um, Xander where like Xander's trying to make jokes make light of the fact that he lost his eye blah 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 and Willow is kind of trying to go along with it but she sort of starts to cry and he he says to her you know he's like don't please please <laughs> like don't start and and so she holds it back you know or she tries <laughs> she tries um then the next scene we get Andrew Andrew (laughs) Andrew and Anya in the basement they're they're like I don't know Anya is like giving some sort of presentation to all the potentials in the basement something about like what she knows about the uber vamps like she was able to ask around like her old her old uh demon contacts and find information about the uber vamp or something I don't know I don't know what that was but but it was a cute scene because Anya is just like being her cute self and Andrew is in the background with like there's like a little uh one of those like oversized notepads that you use to you know for teaching reasons and he was writing on the pads like the things that she was saying so that they would have she would have they would have a visual and it was just really funny because you know Andrew Andrew being cute always good for me um and then Anya said something about like her and Xander having breakup sex and Andrew wrote it on the the piece of paper break up sex and then he underlined it oh my god so good 
Um, then we get a little scene in the kitchen with Faith and Kennedy just kind of talking. This was a good scene, you know, just sort of establishing the fact that, like, everybody feels comfortable around Faith already, even though I think that's what the scene is meant to display, that all the potentials feel comfortable around Faith already, even though she's only been there for, like, what? I mean, she just came in the last episode, right? So we can assume she's been there for what, like a week, two, maybe? I don't know. Two two weeks. Let's say it's two weeks because those two episodes aired two weeks apart. So let's just say she's been there two weeks. But they already feel way more comfortable around her than they ever did around Buffy. Because Buffy isn't talking to them like they're humans. She's just bossing them around and keeping them at arm's length. And I, I get her feeling like that's what she needs to do, but it's just, yeah, it's awful. She's being a real dick right now. That's the theme of this episode. <laughs> um, where are we? Wrong necklaces on both of them. Yeah, this is the scene. And then later, later in the episode, Kennedy's wearing a different necklace when it's the same day. <laughs> it's so stupid. And it's, it's also like a necklace that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't fit her character. Like what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Maybe like they were both just wearing their own necklaces and they happened to look the same. So somebody from the prop department had to like, okay, we're gonna have to glue jewels to one of them. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Um, Let's see. This was an interesting scene. So Buffy comes back from, um, like Willow and Giles had a scene together earlier that I didn't mention where like Willow was sort of mind controlling a cop to give her some information. So they gave them some files and, um, which is weird because couldn't they have just done the whole Willow sitting at her computer hacking the internet? to she could have been like oh i got in through a back door i got all the police files right here she could have just done that anyway whatever they didn't do that so um <laughs> they hand over these files or willow gives those files to buffy at the hospital and then hos hospital buffy comes home from the hospital and hands the files over to Faith and Kennedy, because she kind of comes in when Faith and Kennedy were having like the conversation in the kitchen. Faith, Kennedy, and Amanda, and then Dawn as well. And Buffy's like, you know, see what you guys can find out about this, blah, blah, blah. Files of like, so they're trying to find information on Caleb is what, what these files are about. And Dawn starts asking a bunch of questions about Xander, like, because Buffy just came from the hospital. Like, how is he feeling? You know, how's his mood? When is he going get to get to come home? Like, she has a whole bunch of questions and Buffy is just, like, totally shut down. She's just, like, not answering, not even really comprehending what Dawn is saying to her. And this was just sort of a sweet moment because Faith recognized what was happening that Buffy was completely overwhelmed. She was shut down. She wasn't even hearing what Dawn was saying. And so she like distracted Dawn and Dawn got the, you know, 
She just told her, why don't you go in the other room and get that stuff from Giles that you already got from him? So she was like completely acknowledging to Dawn that she knows that she's sending her on a fake mission, but, you know, we need to give Bucky some space right now. And Dawn does it, you know. And I just thought that was a sweet moment because it just, again, I relate. I, you know, I am a person that completely shuts down when I'm overwhelmed. So when I saw that playing out, somebody that could read the room and see what was happening and help the person who's shutting down right now, it was just, it was just nice to see. It just made me happy. Um, I'm, I'm just loving having faith around, having faith around and being like so mature and like cool. And I just love her. I just love her. Um, Buffy, you know, just cannot be around people right now. She just can't. So she finds an excuse to leave, says she has to go to the school to pick some stuff up or something, which I think it's just an excuse for her to go somewhere else for a second. And she shows up, uh, Caleb shows up at the school while, she, while she's there. And, um, you know, whatever. They have a regular, you know, big bad versus Buffy conversation. And um, he knocks her out and leaves. I mean, he could have just finished her off right there. I mean, if his goal is really to end the Slayer line because, you know, he's working for the first and that's the first goal right now. He could have killed her right here. Anyway, that's just nitpick because of course he's not going to do that because, you know, she's the hero, but he could have, he totally knocks her out. Um, and, oh, I, and I noted while they were having like the big bad versus Buffy conversation, she's actually really scared of him in a way that I don't think we've seen in a while, her being actually scared. She's scared. Um, but she's still, as soon as he mentions Xander, she flips into regular angry Buffy mode and tells him that she will end him if he ever hurts Xander again or whatever. So that kind of woke her up. And she did start to fight back. But up until that moment, she was just like shut down and scared. Um, anyway, uh, where are we? We get this whole cute scene where like um, Andrew's whining about like somebody ate his Hot Pocket and Giles and Dawn are just like not listening to him having a conversation because Dawn found some information in those files. And so, you know, research mode conversation here. Um, Giles gets Spike, tells him he has a mission for him. Spike's understandably like a little bit like, oh yeah, do you? You have a mission for me? Since, you know, Giles kind of, um, helped conspire to get Spike killed a couple weeks ago. Um, Andrew's just still whining about the Hot Pockets. So Giles is like, take Andrew with him, with you. Cause I guess he's just being annoying and whatever. Um, so then we get some really cute scenes throughout the rest of the episode. Cute scenes between Andrew and Spike, like on the motorcycle, talking about onion blossoms. It's cute. It's cute. Um, but after they leave, like all the 
you know, potentials in the background. They're all just like so anxious. They're on edge. They have no idea. Like they don't have any information about how to fight anything. Like everything just seems so overwhelming. Like what's the point, you know, existential sadness, um, anxiety, all of it. And Faith's like, you know what? They don't need to sit around and stew while we're waiting for information. Let's like take everybody out, blow off some steam. So they go to the bronze. Um, Buffy comes back from being knocked out at the school and Giles is like the only one home since everyone else is at the bronze. And she says she's mad. She's mad that, you know, they're doing something that isn't related to the mission. Like, why isn't everyone as like (laughs) fucked up as I am? Jesus. I mean, that's not what she says, but you know, and then we have a, another uncomfortable conversation between Buffy and Giles because like, at first they start talking about like, okay, did you get anything off the research? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Buffy says some unfortunate shit to Giles in this conversation. Um, at one point, so they're kind of arguing and Giles is like, decisions had to be made in your absence. You know, like, because he tells Buffy that Spike, he sent Spike on the mission to go check out a church, whatever. Um, and she's like, okay, so he says, decisions had to be made in your absence. And Buffy says, those are the ones that have been scaring me. And She says, you sent away the one person that's been watching my back. This, that, that, that was a really uncalled for statement, Buffy. I really think you sent away the one person that's had my back. Are you serious right now, Buffy? Everyone has your back. Oh my God. And that's kind of what Giles says, you know? So they have a fight. Um, at the bronze, like the cops show up. I don't know. They're like unusually violent for cops. Um, the way that cops are normally portrayed on, in pop culture, TV shows, especially circa 2003 anyway. So I think the explanation is that they, you know, the hell mouth is making everybody crazy. So it's making the cops unusually violent. They're there to find faith and they get really violent. The fight breaks out. Um, yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, then we get like a moment. So Buffy shows up cause she immediately goes to the bronze when she finds out that they're at the bronze because you know, they can't be doing that. They can't be having any fun. No, <laughs> Buffy's just all serious all the time. Like, seriously, no sense of humor lately at all. Which I get, I guess. I guess I get it. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, so she shows up, she sends, she's like, she sends everybody home. And then she confronts Faith. Like, why did you do this? Why did you take them here? Blah, 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 blah. Like they could have gotten hurt and faith very rightful, rightly brings up, um, 
what are you talking about safe? You know, were any of them safe when you led them into the winery? You know, like two people got killed. She didn't even say that. She didn't even say two people got killed because of you, because of your plan, your reckless plan. She didn't even get that confrontational. She said like one sentence of, were they safe when you brought them to the winery? And then she said there a few of their names. Rona, not Mona. Last week I was like, what's that one chick's name that's always whining? Is it Mona? No, it's Rona. And as soon as like Faith says something confrontational to Buffy, which she hasn't been. Like so far, every conversation we've seen between Faith and Buffy, Faith is demonstrating like that she's she's here to fight. She's here to do what she need, needs to do. Like she's not trying to rock the boat. She's not trying to like, you know, get on Buffy's bad side. Everything's fine. She's been displaying that. But this is the only moment that she like really confronts her so far. The first moment where she does. And Buffy immediately punches her and walks away. It's like, wow, okay. So I guess, I, yeah, we're, we've gotten an establishing scene, Buffy versus all of the important people in her life in this episode, um, except Spike. We don't have any conversations between them, any scenes shared between them in this episode, but this scene with Faith shows that, you know, tensions are rising between the two of them. That scene that we just talked about with her and Giles, the scene at the hospital whenever she's just like not really engaging with being there for Xander right now, you know. So we have these, and then there was also a moment where like right before uh, Dawn left the bronze, in this scene right here that I was just talking about right before that scene between Buffy and Faith. Um, Dawn sort of like tries to talk to her and Buffy just shuts her down, just shuts her down. You too go home. And that's it. She's just, the isolation is intense. You know, it's like in the past, this would have been a time when Buffy might have run away you know, we've seen her shutdowns manifest in different ways over the years. You know, at the end of season three, or was it two? Two, two, yeah. At the end of season two, when she had to kill Angel, she left town. Because that shutdown was so intense, she needed to be away from everyone. She needed to completely change her life. She needed that much of a break <laughs> from her reality. Um, and then at the end of season five, her shutdown manifested as like an actual, like catatonic state. Um, remember that? Remember when she was like catatonic for an episode <laughs> and now she can't, she can't leave, but she's, still overwhelmed and she was she was more emotionally connected in season five so sorry i'm taking off my rings i'm hearing clanking in the background i'm just setting them down okay 
so she was more emotionally connected in season five. You know, she had people that she cared about. She was trying to stay connected. And this time she's protecting herself from her emotions. So like, it's all playing out the way that it makes sense, you know, for me anyway. Like it makes sense that she would be running away when she experienced that big shutdown at the end of season two, because that was like the first time in her life. That was the most that was probably the most devastating thing that had ever happened to her up until that point, you know, because a bunch of things converged all at once. Like she was a wanted fugitive. Um, she, her mom had just kicked her out of the house cause she just found out that she was a slayer and she was, had just gotten expelled from school. And she just had to send Angel to hell. So like her whole life got blown up in like a 72 hour period or some shit. And so it makes sense. Anyway, I just keep saying it makes sense. It makes sense. Oh my God. So dun, 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 dun. Faith meets Principal Wood. Um whatever, not that remarkable, except that they're going to like have sex in the next episode or something. Um, and I don't care. I, I don't think they have any chemistry. I, I don't know. Maybe I just don't, I think I just don't like the actor of Robin Wood. Like he just feels very one note to me. Like there just isn't much to him. I just don't get anything off of him. Yeah. He just, I don't get much from him. Yeah. So I just don't care. I don't care about this conversation between the two of them. Well, I mean, I care about Faith, but, um, oh yeah. Well, she does say something interesting. Like she's talking about the confrontation that her and Buffy had. And, um, she says, you know, that she didn't fight back when Buffy punched her. Essentially. She didn't even name who it was, but they both knew who they were talking about, you know? And, Faith says, I'm not going to kill her. By the way, bully for me since no one else said it. And that's uh, a callback for me because when I was watching the episode with uh, my Michael and my mom, uh, Michael said, uh, right when it happened, he was like, wow, good for Faith. She didn't even fight back. <laughs> so, um, and then Xander gets home. So everybody's together. They're all gathered together for a meeting that buff so buffy's gonna tell everybody what they're gonna do next or whatever um and she says we're going back in um we're this whole time like we're getting seen we're flashing back and forth between this huge scene with buffy addressing like everyone in the living room um all the potentials everyone all together at once the only person that isn't there people that aren't there, Andrew and Spike. So we're flashing back and forth between everybody at Buffy's house and then Andrew and Spike. So they've gotten to the church. They talk to, I, I don't know the term. It's not a monk <laughs> priest, the priest of the church, the vicar, a bishop, a deacon. <laughs> don't fucking know what the what he would be called but the guy at the church um monk <laughs> i don't know the guy at the church they talk to him 
get his information, Caleb has been there um, at this particular church and there was something hidden in the church and there was an inscription on the wall that for some reason Spike can translate, which seems like an oversight to me because Andrew is with him and Andrew is known for being able to read, um, I think, demon languages specifically. So I don't know if this is a demon language. But still, like, one of Andrew's actual talents is translating languages. So why is Spike the one that can read this other language? Whatever. But it's basically, it says, it is not for thee, it is for her alone to wield. So this is the scythe. I think we're going to get the scythe in not the next episode. Maybe. Maybe not the next episode. But maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but that's what we're referring to here. The Slayer Scythe. Which it will be object of the episode when we see it. When we first see it. <laughs> in the next episode or two. But we didn't get to see it this episode, but that's what they're referring to. Um, okay, back to the fight. Like, everybody's kind of taking turns ganging up on Buffy, because she's like, we have to go back in there. Like, and, you know, she has legit reasons for saying what she's saying. Like, they're, they're at, you know, why is... Caleb, I mean, he's not at the school. He's not protecting the Hellmouth. He's at this random vineyard, winery or whatever. So he's going to be where the power is. We need to go back there and we need to take his power away from him. And everybody's like, you're being reckless, blah, blah, blah. And which is true. Like if she were being, if she were facing her emotions right now, if she weren't isolating everyone who loves her right now, if she wasn't so fucking obsessed with Spike, they would probably be seeing her plan in a different light. But they're feeling a type of way, so they can't see her plan for what it is, which is actually rational in this sense. But since when she took them in there the first time, she was being definitely impulsive, it makes sense that they're viewing this plan as impulsive too. And maybe it is, you know, because she definitely needs a nap first because <laughs> she's just like, we're going back in right now. Let's go. Um, yeah. Anyway, where are we? I wrote down some of what Anya said because, you know, several people just kind of like were saying their two cents at Buffy, just taking turns. But what I really liked was what Anya said because it speaks to, I mean, this is sort of a different thing, right? But like, it does slightly speak to the idea of privilege in our society. So I'm going to read um, most of what Anya said. You really do think you're better than we are, but we don't know. We don't know if you're actually better. You came into this world with certain advantages. Sure, that's the legacy, but you didn't earn it. You didn't work for it. That doesn't make you better than us. That makes you luckier than us. And that's something that um, just, you know, taking it completely out of context and applying it to the world at large, essentially, is what I'm doing right now. 
it's something that like comes up um, that's been coming up this concept for me lately like I'm always thinking I'm always comparing myself to others online it's it's kind of a problem I need to stop doing it it's not healthy because um, I'm always looking at these people that in my perception they have everything they you know like this one person in particular just like this one youtuber that I watch um, I've even unsubscribed to this person because I know it's not healthy for me to watch her channel. But she is beautiful. She's always talking about like working out and she always has like her hair looks good. Her, uh, her makeup is always on point. She always has, she's into tarot. So she always has all the expensive tarot and Oracle decks because they were, and a lot of the time they were given to her. And she's not even one of those people that like, you know, it's not a business for her to get and review tarot decks, but people just reach out to her and offer them to her, you know? So it's not healthy for me to compare myself to this person is the point. But I look at her and I'm just like, why does she get to have everything that I want? Why does she have everything that I want? And she's so pretty and she... You know, we have very similar taste in not only like tarot and oracle decks, which is my personal shopping addiction problem right now. Not only do we have similar tastes in that kind of stuff, but we also have very similar tastes in music. And so every time she talks about like anything, <laughs> she makes me want things, you know, like if she talks about music that she likes. Um, or just seeing something in the background. One time I saw a poster in the background of her video that was like, it just, it had just shown up. So I knew that she just got the poster and it's an artist that we both like. And I ended up on that artist's website spending like money that I didn't really have on a t-shirt that I saw on the website and it was just, I have bought things because of this particular person so many times and I do not have the money to do that. I don't have the money to do that. So this whole like, um, that doesn't make you better than us. It makes you luckier than us. I feel like that's a distinction that I need to remind myself of sometimes when I'm looking at someone that appears to have more going for them in whatever way. Sometimes I'm comparing myself to people that seem to be a lot more mentally stable than I am. They seem to have a lot more executive function than I do, etc., etc., etc. I'm always comparing myself to other people. Always. It's bad. <laughs> Especially if that person has similar interests that I do. So I will think to myself, what am I doing wrong? Why don't I have all these things that they have? Why don't... But it's important to remember that when you're comparing yourself to someone else that has more privilege than you, whether that be like um, whatever intersections of marginalized, you know, identities that we all have, right? Um, it's important to remember that they're not better than us. They are luckier than us. I don't know. That's helpful to me anyway. If it's not helpful to you, then just forget, 
forget I had this whole situation. <laughs> so this is where it just sort of happens that like, Buffy's like, okay, well, I wish this could be a democracy, but it can't. There needs to be one voice. And somebody says, and it's automatically you. Oh, that's when, that's when Anya's speech starts. And it's automatically you. And then she goes into um, her speech that I just said. And this is when they sort of like, you know, Buffy just sort of says, because I'm the, I'm the Slayer. And somebody else says, well, isn't Faith a Slayer too? And everybody just sort of takes their turn. Faith says, you know, that she's not asking for that. She doesn't want to be a leader. But then she says, but the more important question is, can you follow? Which, yeah, she really can't. Buffy really can't. She really can't. Anyway, um... So everything's just going badly. And then um, Dawn just basically tells Buffy that she needs to leave. Because Buffy's not backing down, you know. She's not, she's being weird and sarcastic and super defensive and all this shit. And, um, you know, and everybody's taking their turn, like not defending Buffy. And Dawn just goes up to her and says, you need to leave. Because Buffy said, we need to be together on this. And Giles yells, well, we're clearly demonstrating that we're not together on this. And that's really the only thing that he... So this episode, this scene felt really disjointed to me because Giles was in a shot completely by himself and I couldn't even tell from the surroundings where he was supposed to be standing. It didn't make any sense. I think that the scenes with him were filmed at a different time than the scenes with all of the extras, I'm guessing, because it just felt really wrong <laughs> every time he was talking like no one else was interrupting him or anything. It just didn't feel like he was in the room. I don't think he was because there were no wide shots that had him in the wide shot. It was only like every once in a while he'd say something. So you'd see him in a shot by himself and then you'd see Buffy reacting to him. It was just, it felt wrong. It just felt wrong. Um, then Buffy leaves after, you know, Dawn tells her to leave. She leaves and um, she's crying on the porch and Faith kind of comes out, like chases after her and Buffy's like, don't be afraid to lead them. They're yours now, whether you wanted them or not. Protect them. It's very dramatic. Um, and then the episode ends. So that's that. I think this is the last of the sort of like, I don't know, just disjointed, difficult episodes to get through. I think the last three are going to feel pretty solid, if I remember correctly. Um, and a lot of stuff is going to happen. And we're going to get to see Angel again for a second. We're going to get some cuddling between Spike and Buffy. Um, everybody's going to make up. I don't even remember how that happens. How everybody like gets back together again? Does Buffy like fucking apologize to everyone? I don't remember the circumstances like when she comes back 
I'm guessing Faith does something to fuck up as a leader. And so they're all just ready to have Buffy back. They realize what they're missing when she, I don't know. I don't fucking remember. We'll find out. Okay. Let's get to ratings. Object of the episode. Hmm. I haven't had an onion blossom in a long time. I don't know if that sounded good. I'm going to say onion blossom. I mean, it's probably been like a decade since I've had an onion blossom. So sure. Um, even though we don't actually see it, but you know, Andrew and Spike were talking about it. Outfit of the episode. They all sucked, but I'm going to give it to Faith because it at least felt like an outfit that she would organically be wearing besides the necklace. It didn't make any sense. It was just basically like, it wasn't a black tank tank top, but it was just a simple black sleeveless shirt. And she was wearing like flare leg jean, low rise, of course, low rise flare leg jeans, maybe boot cut, but they were a little bit bigger than boot cut. So they're more like a flare and like a studded belt, (laughs) which is just, oh man, studded belt. I still have one. I haven't worn it in a long time. Maybe I'll wear it tomorrow in honor of faith. So I'm going to give faith outfit of the episode, quote of the episode. I'm going to go with Anya, just that the last part of her speech that I just like am hyper focused on right now. The, that doesn't make you better than us. It makes you luckier than us. And the way that, you know, she emphasizes all the right words. It just, it was a good speech. It was a good speech. Um, MVP of the episode. You know what? I'm going to give it to Faith because she's, she took everybody out to blow off some steam. She didn't punch Buffy back. She is getting along with everyone. She's doing a good job just in general. Like she's just doing good. She's doing good. Um, five by five. Um, yeah, it was just like fine, I guess. I can't refer back. I was going to like look back at my other notes, but I started a new notebook. I forgot. Okay. Or I just like found another composition notebook that I had used for something else. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll just yeah, give it a three. <laughs> it's not like I'm keeping track besides just scrawling it in a notebook and then closing it and never thinking about it again. Cool. <laughs> anyway, so we'll be back next week for the episode entitled Touched. Yeah, I think that's it. Okay, bye.